You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. Good morning, good morning, hockey fans. Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, a brand new Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games, practices, and storylines from your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week, including some fun mini-sodes from after, called After Skate, After Morning Skate, as well as After Practices, breaking down all things that Kaylee and I see regarding your favorite team. So. Be sure to download that Odyssey app. Hit that auto-download button after you search Pucks and Bolts. And also, you can stream Pucks and Bolts on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Be sure to share this with friends, family, and other hockey fans around. Guys, I am Casey Hudson, joined by my co-host, Kaylee Mizell. And it's time for us to get into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Kaylee, good morning. Happy new week. It's fully December. It feels fully December-ish now. Oh, yeah. It certainly is. I mean, there's there's no doubt. We've like I've already started pl- playing Christmas music. I'm like starting to decorate, you know, all of those fun things. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I think you know we we it's it's December and Casey, we got some early gifts. Yes. We got some early gifts this year. By the way, of Steven Stamkos and. Um, just him hitting that a thousand career mark and the way that the lightning celebrated it uh, was just so beautiful and and really cool to see. So, I mean, kind of coming off of that and then the game this weekend, I'm, I'm fairly pumped. I'm, it's going to be a long week. We've got bucks tonight and then Mm -hmm. two games for the lightning, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And we're going to have all of it for you guys here on Pucks and Bolts. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Pucks and Bolts. And we Mm. will have the latest and greatest in Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. Casey, what about you? It's like, I feel like there's a lot of anticipation coming into this week because of everything going on. So much anticipation. Um, Guys, I was just telling Kaylee before we got things going that that fun little bug that's going around, I may maybe feeling a little bit of it. It's not as bad as anybody else has been feeling it. So grateful, thankful, a lot of tea, a lot of coffee and water. But other than that, um, it was a great little weekend. Um, some nice hockey to watch in, in many ways. And then according to coach Cooper in some weird ways, um, got to spend time with some friends and family and yeah, just gearing up for the week ahead. Hopefully, hopefully I can make it through. Um, honestly, December, you know, the Bolts have a six game home stretch. They only completed one of those yeah. six. And then um, luckily the Bucks are away for a minute, but trying to prepare for the holidays in the midst of all of this fun coverage we have is like, I haven't started Christmas shopping at this point. I'm hoping that Amazon can wrap some things and drop it at their door, like a couple days in advance. And I would be a happy gal. So with that said, go. On the news of and of happiness and joy in December, you set it up perfectly, Kaylee. Maybe it's time to get into the breakout and start mm-hmm. with the exciting celebration that the Bolts um, put together for Steven Stamkos oh on Saturday God. when they faced off versus the Toronto Maple Leaves. And wow, I will say so every so team has gotten really good at putting together this production, but the special touches to it is what... I mean, maybe I sound biased by now, but it's what I love the most. 
Yeah, it's like the personal touches, like the ha- the fact that like yeah, his whole family is down there on the ice. Like when Carter oh hugged Thunderbolt, oh my gosh, like heart melting. Um, the sweetest in the world. Yeah, like the ninety one behind him, just like all of the little things that 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 goes into this whole production that that you yeah. see. And I mean, kudos to the lightning staff who work behind the scenes, Stephen Fry, you know, I know like with lightning vision, they do so much mm-hmm. and they, they, they pulled it off. It was perfect. It was executed just like to perfection. Um, and I think, you know, even though Steven Samkos was away when he got that moment, I think that he really got to celebrate it at home with his family. Yeah with the with the home crowd and uh yeah and then they were able to to pull off a win a really exciting win um Mm -hmm. so it it, kind of felt like you know gift wrapped you know like like everything was tied up in a bow and it 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 kind of ended perfectly but Casey what was your what was your perspective or what was what was one thing that like if you had to point out like one or two things that you loved the most about it what would that be man that's it's kind of hard because there was, it felt like it, it came in so many different layers than you could appreciate. Um, the opening video wasn't even the main video breaking down all of Steven Samkos's accolades. It was just kind of this like, you know, welcome to the lightning video, slightly different from the one that you see on other game nights. And then they had the 91 neon lights on the ice all over the ice. So that was really cool because typically where you see the logo, it was number 91. Then it went into this package and it's so wild to just see like, you know, how long Steven Samkos has really been here when they piece together those Mm -hmm. goals. And then you see the legends that he played with, you know, when he started his career to him being the legend. Now, I think that's really touching. Um, It's funny because, you know, some of us in the press box were like, this is getting emotional, like as if this is a milestone for us, but just to watch it. And like, of course the other people that have covered this team for so long, like, yeah, they've seen that video in real life. So the video was great. The extra little touches of 91 everywhere was fantastic. Um, you could see the emotion on Stammer's face, obviously, but what I really loved the most was the gifting. So they had Alex Kalorn and, uh, Victor Hedman come out and gift him like this special putter and this like very expensive particular wine that was really cool. And then they hugged the family, took a picture with the family. And then for 1000, you get this gold stick that's ridiculously gorgeous looking. Um, I was actually downstairs right before the ceremony kicked off and, to see that stick even closer is just insane. And I thought about you because the puck that he got the other night, he was like, Carter's not going to get this puck. Well, what was oh, funny yeah. is that when they gifted him the stick, you saw Carter's eyes light up and reach for it immediately. Like, like, yeah, Carter's like, oh, stick. <laughs> but what was beautiful is that the lightning even the lightning acknowledged that the lightning know Stephen Stampos, they know his family by now. So they brought out too many golden sticks for his son. That was where I was like, all right, oh, I'm, I'm sent. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just everything that makes it bigger than than just Stammer's accomplishment. It's his family's support to get him there, his sons, the legacy. It was just like I feel like they thought of everything and checked every box, and it was it was beautiful. It set a nice little tone at first, I would say. Yeah, so cool, so cool, and yeah, I mean, just such a special moment for him to to get that. Like we said before, there's only nine active guys in in the NHL that have gotten that accomplishment and stammer has done it in like the fourth fastest um or fourth or fifth fastest 
So, I mean, the fact that he's been able to do that, it, it really is an accomplishment to to how good and skilled of a player he is. And then the fact that he did it all in the same sweater, it just it yeah, just makes it so beautiful and so perfect. So mm-hmm. I loved that his parents were there. That kind of brought some tears to my eyes. And like, and like you said, you know, seeing his kids and his sons out there, Carter and Carson and his wife. And, the, you know, they gave the, the, you know, the mom and the wife the bouquets. And, you yes. know, just like all of the, yeah, like you said, all of the extra things, all of the special touches. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it will be something that Stammer remembers for forever um, because it was really that special for him. Yeah. And then on top of that spectacular ceremony um, and everybody getting a chance to just honor the captain throughout the arena, then you find out this team's just been racking up the milestones. Then we've got Mm -hmm. Corey Perry skated in his 1,200th game or 1,200th game uh, career game, which is so insane just to think about how many games that really is and how much that that has to wear in your body and Corey Perry hasn't oh, lost any stunts. he became the 122nd player in the history of the NHL and the ninth active player to reach 1200 games so that was huge and it made it even it sweetened the deal because he collected a point and played a pretty awesome game that night too so while these guys don't hyper focus on the milestones i feel like the energy surrounding the fact that it's coming just levels them up that much more the past couple of games Corey perry has been on fire in my opinion oh, yeah. you can tell how hungry he is and then you know in in the midst of your captain getting such a huge accolade now like, here you are now as well so that was another milestone that took place um this weekend on saturday versus the toronto maple leaves and then this game became that much more important for everybody wearing a lightning sweater because it was the franchise's 2300th game um total and it, i think yeah. everyone forgets how how much of a baby this organization is as yeah. well you know, the year that they got established is the year that i was born <laughs> oh wow oh yeah you guys yeah. celebrated 30 together that's so fun. yeah we did they're making it they're they're making it really nice for me so far so 30 was the easiest birthday celebration I've had in my life, surprisingly. (laughs) Yeah, such a special night. And Casey, we haven't even gotten to like some of the biggest news that happened on Saturday, which is that Anthony Sorelli was back. Um, And not only was he back, but we saw him contribute in some big ways. So I know that he was excited to be back. But how cool of a moment for Anthony Sorelli to be back. His first night back is the night that Steven Stamkos is being celebrated and that the franchise is playing in their, you know, 2300th game. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just just a cool thing all together. Um, But yeah. Huge news that Anthony Sorelli is back and he clearly is feeling good, feeling healthy. Cause like I said, he contributed really well. Um, and I know we're going to get into talking a little bit more about Sorelli and this game when we yeah. get into game action and review that a little bit, Casey, any more information in the breakout that we want to go through? Yes. On okay. top of so much excitement stacked on Saturday. Wow. Um, yeah. okay. So the last two things that I would add to the breakout is the honorary captain um trip nugent that was one of, that was another sweet moment to add to saturday and what was awesome is that all the guys 
He has a hat, a little blue hat, and it says trippy across it. And it's actually a pretty swaggy hat. All the guys wore it for warm-ups, and they immediately put it back on as soon as um, the game was over. And Alex Korn talked about it after the game. He's like, honestly, it's a really good-looking hat, so we're all going to just keep wearing it. And yeah. you saw that throughout the building as the guys were getting ready. And you saw a lot more um, – friends and family and guests of the players this game downstairs. So I feel like they had another, you know, celebration for all the guys. And there's just so much there to celebrate between Stammer, Corey Perry, Sorelli. It's December. Families are together. They're off the road. Like, so it's, it's great to see not only so much for this team to be excited about and proud of, but also, you know, a lot of that can carry into the next slate of games coming up here. And I'm looking forward to that. The last thing I will mention is that, now that we are in the second week or second-ish week of December, um, this Friday, December 10th, if I have my dates correctly, but December 10th is the correct date, uh, On Bikes is officially going on. So if you guys haven't checked out onbikes.org or if you live in the Tampa Bay area, be sure to check out onbikes.org. Uh, Pat Maroon from the Lightning will be working with the organization. It's the bicycle race. Um, not even a race, but it's just a ride. Everybody wears fun things from Santa costumes, elf costumes, red onesies. Uh, I know one year my friend and I did a red onesie and cowboy boots. You can do whatever you want, but it all is for a great cause. These bikes do get donated or you can go online and donate right away. Um, but it's just, if you're in the Tampa Bay area, head over to Curtis Hickson Park if you can't be a part of the ride. You can be a part of the entertainment after, which is a concert by Low Cash. I always mix them up with Lanco, but Low Cash, so you'll have great music food, drinks, the Tampa Bay community, which at the end of the day, it's what it's all about. And we know that's what this organization stands for and puts first all the time. So check out onbikes.org. And that wraps up the breakout for me, Kaylee. That yeah, I love it. I was like, got to get that out. Got to get that out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know you've mentioned it before. So definitely something to partake in. It is the season of giving. And uh, I know the Lightning have given a lot. Um of joy to the city um, and that, and they give back in a lot of ways. And so, um, and, and I, it makes me laugh because of course, Pat Maroon's going to be there with, with the low cash playing. He loves them. I'm pretty sure. Like he, I think he's friends even with maybe some of the I guys. And, um, yeah. They, 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 uh, they I have a lot of friends within the music here. scene as well. Yeah, they had a yeah. private concert here last season, but like yeah. of course everything surrounding that was Gronkowski. Like they said, crashing it jokingly, but all you yeah. saw was Tom there and Blaine Gabbert. But Gabbert and and Maroon and some of the guys are really close friends. So yeah, oh for sense. sure, for sure. Yes. Well, getting into this game, we knew that it was going to be a good game right off the bat, especially um, coming in. You know, the Leaves had a little bit of a you know something against the lightning a little bit of something to prove especially with the way that the lightning knocked them out last season and just the continuation of you know this this idea and this conversation of like oh the leaves can never like make it that far in the playoffs and the lightning knocked them out last year and so it yeah. just you knew that it was going to be a really fun uh a really you know high energy high impact game and that's exactly what we got, Casey. Um, it was it was really great to see, you know, a, a guy like Austin Matthews go up against, you know, Steven Stamkos, um, you know, a guy that's one of the best in the league right now uh, in Matthews against the guy that has been, you know, one of the best in the league for for a, a, a while, for a, a long span of time. Um, mm -hmm. So really cool to see that. And then again, to have, Sorelli back. You have so many exciting things going on. 
And if you're looking at this game from the outside, maybe maybe it feels like it got off to a slow start, but it actually was, you know, nobody scored in the first. Mm -hmm. But there there was a lot of, you know, I think whenever you have two very talented teams facing off against each other, a lot of times you're going to get that. You're going to get like a first period of like not too much scoring, not too much like offensive action because each team is kind of like feeling out the other team. They're, they're figuring out like weaknesses, adjusting their game, um, playing defense, you know, really trying to kind of soundly go about their mm -hmm. game. When you look at this first period, I mean, like the shots on goal were pretty even. It was a fairly, you know, okay first period in my mind. Um, and then and then comes in the second period, which gets things a little bit more exciting because fairly quickly into the second period, the Lightning do something that we've talked about before. Um, they, uh, they let shorties be their shortcoming. Um, so they gave up that shorthanded goal as the first goal of the game for the Maple Leafs. Um, and so that was something that I think obviously frustrated this team and maybe in some ways, Casey kind of spurred them on because they didn't let it defeat them. Yeah. I think the interesting part, probably kind of backtracking to the first period yeah. there, we had two penalties each as a team. Mm -hmm. So a big conversation revolving around that was the fact that there was no flow established. Mm -hmm. um, it was really hard for either team to get into a structure and start generating in any way because then there was a penalty. Then one team was on the PK and nobody converted any power play goals in that first. So I think a lot of that frustration of not getting anything done in the first period, that was very active first period, um, yeah. but just, you know, active in the wrong, in the wrong side of things with special teams having too much ice time there. What I will say is that I do agree with you. I think that I, and I've said this a couple of games now that their response has gotten better and stronger in terms of not counting themselves out when things like that happen. Shorthanded goals can be the first thing to kind of torch any momentum that they have or any confidence that they have. And uh, to respond I think it was less than under three minutes later, they responded. And yeah. what I loved about it is that I think that different energy and different momentum swings come through depending on who scores. We talked about this in the last episode of Pucks and Bolts. So for them to get a shorthanded goal, the sixth, and for the Bolts to let up the sixth, six-handed goal of the season, that could have been extremely defeating. But then mm -hmm. you have, you know, Vladdy Nemestikov come in, a guy who's been itching to get a goal. Yes. He's been a silent warrior in many ways. I We've talked about him here on Pucks and Bolts because we were really excited about what he could do on this team, on this roster, because of the preseason that he had with the Bolts. Um, and the yep. last preseason game, the only home preseason game because of storms and stuff, he had a hat trick. And you saw this chemistry brewing between him and Ross Colton. So you're wondering, okay, when are we going to see this again during the season? And I yeah. highly strongly believe that now this is going to be the beginning of it. So under three minutes after the shorthanded goal, Nemestikov comes in and responds, gets a goal. You saw how much that meant to him. And, and not only that, but I mean, the yeah. fact that Anthony Sorelli is like on the assist with that. Anthony Sorelli is mm -hmm. right there setting him up. Oh my gosh. That just like made my heart so happy. A, to see... Nemestikov get his first goal 
mm-hmm. this season in the Lightning sweater. And then Anthony Sorelli in his first game back is, you know, the first assist on the Lightning's goal in this game. Just such a special moment. So cool to see yeah. all around. I was really, really happy for the both of them. Um, really, really pumped to see Anthony Sorelli just like immediately come out, make an impact. Um, and him and Nemestikov, you know, they hadn't really, I mean, Anthony Sorelli hasn't played this season. So the fact that they're like playing well together and meshing first thing, that's mm-hmm. really, really I, I think it goes to two different things. I think a, it goes to the coaching staff, to the structure, to the fact that they can switch up these lines and allow different people to play in different spots. And it's fairly seamless. B, mm-hmm. it just comes back to the fact that Anthony Sorelli put in so much time, so much effort. He's really ready to go. Um, it, it's not easy coming back from an injury, especially from surgery. Um, but he put in the time, he put in the effort, he watched this game, the, these this team up to this point in the season. He understood what they're doing, their structure, how everybody fits in. And he came in, and because of all of that setting, because of all of that prep, he fit in seamlessly. Yeah, and I feel like it was his line to command because he's been a part of this team longer than the yeah. two other guys he's playing with on the third line in Ross Colton and Vlad Domestikov. So, you know, for one – that just tells you how well of a hockey player he is, but also it's a, that mental, like getting over that mental hurdle of that first bit of contact. Is your body going to respond the way that it did before surgery and stuff like that? And while Anthony Sorelli mentioned after the game, he was slightly nervous, but he just needed to get, you know, a few shifts under his belt. That's mm-hmm. what I thought was so timely about the way that the first period played out. And then how the second period came about, because he really did have a full period to get his legs underneath him, get back into game feel. And then you saw it just dial up a notch in the second period. While I think the Bolts took a step back in terms of how they manage second periods uh, versus the Maple Leaves, I think that in the bigger picture of things, Sorelli getting a chance to get back into the flow, seeing him be re-energized and just kind of contribute, not kind of, but to come back in and contribute to a a very important goal was huge. But I love the rhythm that's starting to come in on that third line already. But because of who Anthony Sorelli is, because of the kind of player that he is, I almost don't expect anything less. He's one of the best two-way players in the league, in my opinion. Obviously a great four-checker, but when you are just as – when you can evenly distribute the attack as well as defend, then I feel like that you're one of those special players you can put anywhere. And we've seen that over the course of his career with the lightning, you can put Sorelli on any line and he will contribute. So that Sorelli being who he is helped that decision play out so much easier. We weren't sure what line he was going to go on. We weren't sure how they were going to shuffle things up and Ross Colton, they know his style. Him and Colton have played together before on a line. He knows how to read him. Nemesikov was just that other piece of what was going to happen there. And I think they've got a good thing going. So love the response time under three minutes. Anthony Sorelli collects the assist. Second assist goes to Eric Chernak, which is awesome. Uh, sometimes we know that Cherny can dial it up in the assist column as a defenseman. When defensemen get involved offensively, magic happens. We say that all the time here. Um, but it was that back and forth game. Coach Cooper said mm-hmm. it was just a really weird game because while we're all very engulfed in the excitement of what was Nemestikov and Sorelli and Eric Chernak, well, towards the end of the second period, you've got William Nylander that responds and then takes it back to the lead for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's basically how that second period wrap, wrapped up. You know, Toronto gets two goals. The Bolts are kind of on their heels trying to make sure that they can tilt the ice back in their favor, level up the scoreboard. They fought hard. 
But I will say this entire game, they were trailing on shots on goal. They were almost forced to defend more than they were able to generate any sort of offense. Um, the only time of the game where they had more shots on goal was in the third period, and it was only by two shots. The biggest factor in all of this, Kaylee, for me, is that they kind of lost wind on how they managed second periods, but their faceoff percentage took a huge hmm. dive versus the Maple Leafs. Coming off of such a great faceoff performance, one of the highest ones at 65% yeah. versus the Flyers, they now come in and fall down to, I think it was like 33.3% in faceoffs, if I'm hmm. not mistaken. But out of 61, yeah, 33.3% efficiency, and out of 61 um, faceoffs, they only won 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just not going to do it. That's not going to do very well. Um, and we and they knew that this is a good face-off team. You know, the, the guys that are on this, you know, Leafs roster, they, they can uh, do well in the dot. But Casey, something that you mentioned about the first period, I think also played into a factor in this period, uh, especially like, well, we saw... Uh, like this period was weird and that like towards the end of the period, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's uh, there was like, there were three penalties later in the period and then two more like right as the period is ending. So as you get later into, into this period, it kind of stifled a little bit of that play because you had high sticking against Eric Chernak and then Eric Chernak roughing against the guy that gave him a high stick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you had holding against, or, or no, no, excuse me. And then you had interference uh, on Nikita Kucherov. So they comes to a point in time where it's just like, all of a sudden, like the penalty box is just overloaded. There's like so yeah. many guys in the box um, yeah. towards the end of this period. And so it it just kind of like stifled a little bit of play late. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just feels like the back half of the second period was just kind of a little bit of a wash because there were so many penalties. Um, Like I said, there was three penalties at 17 minutes and then two penalties like just shy of the 10 second mark for the the end of the period. And so it just was like, like it was just not not super great there was was no flow yeah exactly so even in the second period the flow like after five minutes up to 17 minutes so for like maybe like 10 10 12 minutes there was like Mm -hmm. a decent amount of flow and then it just kind of came crashing down um but Killed the flow too is that there was two goals that went under review and got called back one for the bolts and yes. one for the maple leaves so that's yeah, something it was else a weird it was weird such stuff. a weird second period with all of those things combined it mm-hmm. was a really really weird second period because there was a lot of play stoppage yes. with all of that going on uh and mm-hmm. and it's just hard to get into a flow it's hard to get overly i mean the team was energized because of everything else that was going on. The crowd was energized because of everything else that was going on. But yeah. on a normal night, this is such a weird second period. And it would have been, it, it could have killed momentum in a lot of ways. But Casey, the thing that I like the most is that the lightning didn't allow that to happen. In fact, the lightning made the most of it 
because even though there was a lot of like weirdness and and not much flow in that second period, especially like I said, late in that second period, coming mm-hmm. into the third period, the lightning take advantage. And so they say, okay, well, we just had, you know, some penalties right at the end of the second period. At the very start of the third period, another penalty, this time a tripping against um, Nikita Kucherov, like uh, Mitchell Marner had a tripping against Nikita Kucherov. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, the Lightning, they're going to take advantage. And this is where they must have had some type of conversation, especially because early on in that game on the power play, they let up that shorty and they must have like looked at each other in the eyes and said like, not again. We are yeah. not going to let this happen again. And then they came back, Casey, and within five minutes of that third period, not only did they even the score, Nikita Kucherov uh, on assists from uh, Steven Siemkos and Corey Perry with that first power play goal to even things up at the start of the third period. But then Ross Colton, that second power play unit, which we've seen a lot from Casey, that second power play unit is like really, really jiving right now. Ross Colton gets that goal to give the Bolts the lead at 434. So like I said, less than five minutes into that third period, the Lightning take a 3-2 lead on the power play goal from Ross Colton. And and you have – Sergi and Corey Perry assisting there, both guys who we've talked about before, they're yep. both getting into that scoring column more. They're both racking up some points, racking up some assists. And uh, and and we're seeing both of these guys contribute really, really well. Corey Perry, like you said earlier in this podcast, is really going off. And uh, and like we've said before, Mikhail Sergachev, the fact that he's getting up and in, in play and offensive action. It's just where he shines. He he does a yeah. really really good job there. So it, it it's the lightning taking the most of their situation. It's like what we said early on. They didn't allow this to bog them down. They didn't allow it to stop them. In fact, I would say they actually fueled off of the fact that they gave up a shorty earlier in the game. And they said, fine, you know what? We gave up a shorty. We're gonna make it back and we're gonna score some points on this power play. We're gonna do something and we're gonna get this game you know, in a, a a good situation for us. And they did, they took the lead. Now they gave up the lead, but they did take the lead for a while. And, uh, and, and kudos to special teams, Casey, with that goal, the lightning now have 27 goals for on the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that leads the NHL. So they, they are now leading the NHL in in the amount of goals that they have had on the power play. So really, really great for them and and good to see it. And I think the reason that you're seeing it is because both units are contributing. It's not just the, the first line in this power play unit that's contributing, but it's that second line as well. And again, you saw it right there. Nikita Kucherov, first line, they score that first goal. Second line, Ross Colton scores that second power play goal. Really great to see. Yeah, and Coach Cooper even touched on it after the game. So great point there because – he was kind of asked about the significance of the first unit versus the second unit. And coach Cooper was just mentioning that they're both significant. They're both important. Um, a lot of that conversation coming within 
you know, Victor Hedman was bumped down to the second unit, then he went back up to the first unit, and it was kind of the structure that he implements and how he energizes both of those units mm. to kind of step up that much more. Then you got a guy like Sergachev who's getting in such a rhythm of flow and a leadership on that ice that's helping. So I think he's feeding off of Hedman, he's applying it to his game, and now he can help get that second unit going and and getting in that contributing column. So it's perfect timing too, because we talk about how everything has to line up in the right timing. You can't just rely on one unit. You can't just rely on that top line. And we're starting to see more of a tidal wave of an attack come through. Kucherov collecting his 11th goal of the year on that power play. I think that we always talk about how we talk about Kucherov a lot, but there's still so much to talk about when it comes to him and how he shows up and when he shows up for this team. Then you've got, you know, Ross Colton, who I think now is at back-to-back goals for the last two games that he's been in, and he hasn't had back-to-back goals and back-to-back games since, like, April. So now Colton's starting to get his feet underneath him, and we know how he can contribute when he's feeling more confident and feeling like he has a role to play on this team. Better yet, to do it on special teams that was, you know, kind of the weaker end of their game a week and a half, two weeks ago. And it's wild to even call it a weaker point of their game at any point this season with them Mm -hmm. now leading the league in power play goals. So timing being everything here, this whole third period was revolved around special teams, you know, so in the period that they weren't racking up a bunch of penalties and being forced to be on the penalty kill and forced out of any sort of structure that they could have implemented. Now you have a third period where you kind of took special teams and, and took control there. You played into the advantage of what it could give you and they made it work for them. So perfectly well put there. Both units starting to come to life there and perfect timing. I would say on any of that, Mikhail Sergachev recorded his 19th assist on Ross Colton's goal. Um, Sergachev now leads the Bolts defenseman with uh, 23 points. So that just continues to show how he's striding game by game to increase his role here. He said that weeks ago, he wants to do whatever it takes to increase his role. He works on all points of his game. Um, Kaylee, the biggest takeaways from this game for me is that while it was a weird game, while the first period was trying to find a flow and then second period was absolutely no flow, heavily penalized, the highest penalized period of the night, um, the Bulls were outshot, I think 39 to 33. And it was actually their power play percentage at 33% efficiency after Mm -hmm. six power play opportunities they had throughout the whole night. 11 power plays total between both teams. It's just a lot. It's a little too much. Uh, Toronto also had 31 hits to the Bolts, 20 hits, but it's that giveaway column that also rose. So there was just a few things that the guys got a little lax on. Face-off percentage yeah. took a five. The giveaways went back up. They had 10 giveaways to Toronto's five. But I think sometimes in the way that they play, and I got to ask Coach Cooper this before, you know, where's the line, uh, where's the discernment between a sense of urgency and focusing on staying within your structure. And it's kind of a tough line to manage depending on how your opponent is playing you. Because while they had 10 giveaways, they also had 14 takeaways. So four checking was good. Defending was good. There was just no ebb and flow. And that's what happens yeah. when you have different units, different pairings out there. Alex Kalorn said, we couldn't really find any chemistry between the lines because you weren't really out there with your line that much. So no. with all of this, I would say, you have to have these weird games to know where your team can stand successfully. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, to, to, to hint at Alex Kalorn's point uh, e- even more, like, you know, you have Anthony Sorelli back, which, you know, again, like while it, you're really happy to have him back, it does throw a wrench a little bit in, in the line combinations. And so Anthony Sorelli, actually, when you look at like the total, you know, forward lines, he was <laughs> – he was accounted for 
on three different lines. So he played for like 30 seconds with Alex Kalorn and Brandon Hagel. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he played for like three and a half minutes with Pat Maroon and Vlad Nemestikov. And then he played for three minutes. So actually he played the most with Nemestikov and Maroon. And then he played with uh, with Nemestikov and Colton for three minutes. So yeah. even with that, like it again, it's still just kind of weird because it's like there's still. And I think the reason that Cooper did that is because he's trying to see real game time action. Where does Sorelli fit in? You know, like which line should we have him on? Should we have him back with Kill- Killer and 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 Hags? You know, but then how, that changes the top line. And how does that change the top line? Like, do we do this? Do we do we put him with Maroon? Do we put him with Colton and try to get more? And I, and I think that you would use those two lines differently. Like when Anthony Sorelli is playing with Ross Colton, they're going to push the tempo a little bit more and they're going to uh, and, and push the offense a little bit more. But when Anthony Sorelli is playing with a guy like Pat Maroon, it's probably going to be a little bit more defensive minded. It's probably going to be a little bit more shut down. And, and again, Anthony Sorelli can play both ways, but yeah. it's who he's paired with, Ross Colton or Pat Maroon, that can be the deciding factor. And Amestikoff was on both both of those lines with Anthony Sorelli, and, and, and he can play both ways as well. So it was interesting because there was a little bit of uh, – you know, there wasn't as much rhythm, but again, I think that just goes credit to this, to this team, because even in a game where the, the flow lacks, there's not much rhythm. It's, it's a weird, I mean, overall, it's kind of a weird game. Like with, with just some of the penalties, with like some of the stoppages, with like the, the, the uh, goals getting called back. It's just a little bit of a weird game. Um, And then, in the third period, you only have special teams scoring. The Lightning score two power play goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, at about 12 minutes, you have the Leafs, Mitch Marner, getting uh, getting a power play goal to tie things back up. And then you have both teams kind of battling out, seeing what's going to happen. A, a few good looks by each team late in the in the game to, you know, to see who can win, who can take it. But uh, neither team can in regulation. So, we go to overtime, and Casey, I'm so happy about this because I have been calling this guy's name for like five podcast episodes, and I have been saying, I have been on Killer Watch, and I've been saying, Alex Kalorn, something is going to happen with him. I'm telling you, he's he's getting in the rhythm. He's getting, he's working it up. He has all these milestones that he can crack. He can pass Andre Palat. He can pass Tyler Johnson, he can pass all these people that he used to play with that he mm-hmm. loves. But he, Alex Kalorn, don't kid yourself. He's a he's a little bit of a cocky guy. He wants to be able to have some bragging rights. He wants to be able to say like, "I got your number." I'm yeah. I I uh, I came after you, and so Alex Kalorn gets the game winning goal. Casey, just like thirty seconds into overtime. It's uh, so great to see. So great to see. And it came off a I great was, pass from Anthony Sorelli. Uh, yeah, again, Anthony Sorelli. And of course, just love me an Alex Kalorn, Anthony Sorelli combo. I think they yeah. play so well together. And we didn't yes. really get to see very much of it during regulation. So the fact that we saw them together in overtime and uh, and that was that 30 second. Remember whenever I said that Brandon Hagel, Alex Kalorn, 
and Anthony Sorelli played together for like 30 seconds. That was the 30 seconds that they played together and uh, something beautiful came of it. Made all the difference. Absolutely. And it's nice too, because like we've talked about for a while here on Pucks and Bolts is, you know, you're starting to get some new guys in the conversation and whether we think they got off to a slow start or however their start was, they're coming together at the right time. Um, we're getting slightly past that 25% in to the season. Now they're finding ways to win. They're finding ways to win good games. They're finding ways to win weird games. This is probably the second or third very weird game they've had. That other really weird one was the win versus the senators uh, weeks ago. So I think the biggest thing and another energizer for this victory for the Bolts was the fact that what you said in the beginning there, Kaylee, there's a lot of emotion that goes between these two teams stemming back to how playoffs rolled out. If anybody watched playoffs, there were so many games where people were just kind of like, how the heck did the Lightning just win? They're still finding ways to win. And it's a great point in the season to do that. People are getting healthy. Lines are getting more established, a little bit more concrete. And if they need to adjust and create a different flow, they're finding ways to do just that. So a funky win for the Bolts. They increased their record to, um, what is it, 15, 8, and 1, beating the Leafs 43 in overtime. Third in the Atlantic Division uh, with 31 points. Um, So, and, and, and because the Leafs are ahead of them, in the Atlantic. I mean, again, just such a great win to, to, you know, be able to take on the leaves and, and get that win. Now the leaves have two more games played than the lightning. So part of the reason why they have 36 points, lightning just have 31 is, you know, partly because of the, uh, the games played, they have more games that they have played. Um, so and the leaves, gosh, looking at like what they do, the leaves take things to overtime quite often. We have to do our cherry pickers, and then we will get into the other Atlantic Division team that the Lightning will play fairly soon. Uh, my my cherry picker. I mean, I could I could choose so many guys. I have to give honorable mention to to Anthony Sorelli. I love the way this kid plays. I love Anthony Sorelli's style. I, 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 I constantly think he's underrated and I constantly try to battle it at battle that, you know, underrated, uh, idea by just like singing his praises. I think that he's an incredible player. Um, I think that he should have a lot more awards than he does individual awards because I think he's that good, that talented. There's a reason that the lightning have held on to Anthony Sorelli and have, and have protected him and said, Hey, this is the guy that, that we really want to see shine and, and build a future around. Um, he's that good of a player. Um, and he's a fun, he's a fun guy. I'm glad that he's back, uh, and back in the lineup and healthy and contributing. So I have to give him an honorable mention, but Casey, I've been, I, like I said, I've been singing killers praises and I've been saying that he's going to have a game like he had, uh, for a long time. Maybe all it took was Anthony Sorelli coming back. So K- Killer is yeah. going to be my cherry picker. Uh, super happy to see him in the score column and getting that game-winning goal in overtime. And, of course, Anthony Sorelli on the assist there. Just poetic perfection. Chef's kiss. I love it. Yeah, not not many better ways to go with that pick, but I think that these two just missed each other, so I agree there. Yeah. Um, my cherry picker is going to have to be Vladimir Nemestikov. I've 
was expecting to see so much out of him rolling out of preseason, as I mentioned earlier. And I feel like finally getting that goal, we saw what finally getting a goal meant to Alex Kalorn. And I think finally getting that goal for Nemestikov is just going to be the, the, the fuel to the fire, the ignition that he needed to start stacking on top of it. I feel like we're going to see a lot more out of him. I liked seeing his style of play. I liked seeing um, his skill set when he played with the stars and a few other teams. So um, even before he left the lightning to start his journey throughout the NHL. So I feel like Nemesikov has so much more to offer. I feel like we're just starting to see the beginning of that. And I'm, I'm happy for any player that can finally get that monkey off their back. As people like to say, he got the monkey off his back. Now he's really going to step things up. And now, I mean, if the lines remain the same to play with Anthony Sorelli in the center, Ross Colton starting to get his feet underneath him. I feel like that third line is going to just take that next step over the next course of games. And they have the perfect platform and opportunity to do that because they'll be on home ice for five more games. So Nemesikov's my cherry picker. I completely back everything you say when it comes to Anthony Sorelli. And then honorable mm -hmm. mention hats off to Ross Colton, who I feel like is just getting started um, in, in what he's going to offer this team this season. So with that said, though, Kaylee, you mentioned that we've got uh, a little more hockey to talk about. Mm -hmm. We've got some other uh, Atlantic division. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah. yeah, another Atlantic division team and another team that is up in the standings, the Red Wings, who are fourth in the standings with 29 points, so just two points behind this Lightning team, mm -hmm. are coming to town. It will be the first time that the Lightning face off with former assistant, now Red Wings head coach Derek Lalonde, or Newsy, as he is so lovingly referred to, um, and... I, I'm really excited to see these two teams face off. Newsy's a guy that I got to sit down and talk to one-on-one -on -one for about an hour last year um, heading into the playoffs. And he's such a brilliant NHL mind. He's such a nice guy. He um, And he, he understands the game so well. He understands how to coach really well. And I think that's why you're seeing success. The Red Wings have four more points than they had through 23 games a year ago. Uh, and they and they really have improved in every single area of their game, offense, defense, and special teams. And that, you know, that is under head coach Derek Lalonde. And so that mm -hmm. that means a lot, I think, to him to see. And there's a little bit of, you know, a revenge factor too. Uh, not only are the Lightning facing Derek Lalonde, but Red Wings former head coach Jeff Bashel will mm -hmm. be behind the lightning bench as an assistant. So just a lot of like other storylines coming into this game, uh, a lot of reunions that are going to happen. And it's going to be really cool to see everybody shaking hands and seeing each other. But then whenever the game starts, when that first puck is dropped, Casey, everyone, the friendliness kind of goes out of it a little bit and you yeah. want to win um, but it's going to be really interesting because Derek Lalonde has taken a lot from what John Cooper has taught him. And John Cooper wanted to work with Newsy for a while. Like uh, when Newsy was telling me his story of coming into the NHL and, and becoming an assistant coach under Cooper, Cooper actually called him and offered him a position and Newsy turned it down and accepted a different position Wow. And then a year later, um, 
the the guy over Newsy, like some shifting happened and and he was kind of in a in a flux in his career and he wasn't sure what he was doing. Cooper called him again. And this time he said yes. And he came down to the lightning. Um, and 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 he's he's spoken about it. He spoke about it recently. He said, um, you know, I let's find it. He said, you know, I probably didn't appreciate how much I was taking from Coop until I was here in in Detroit on a day-to-day basis. I'll be forever appreciative of John and the time that I spent with him. And that's kind of what he told me too. He said that, you know, you don't really fully understand what you're learning from somebody until you're doing their job. And then you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I learned so much from this person. And again, Newsy's great in his own right, but, but John Cooper, um, it, he taught him a lot and and just the way that he values the mental game, holding guys accountable, the way that he values the relationships, the intricacies, the things that fans and, and people sometimes don't think about. You know, there's a lot of relationship things that happen and there's a lot of like things that you have to hold into the fray like, oh, is this guy going through something at home? Is something is one of his family members sick? Is something happening and having compassion and meeting that guy where he's at and understanding how to talk to that player, motivate that player. Th- these are all things that a Newsy did well, but he learned even more, more, excuse me, from John Cooper about how to do those things. Well, and Detroit just snapped a three game losing skid um, mm-hmm. with their win over uh, Columbus. And so they come into town on a little bit of a high, Casey, because, uh, you know, because they're feeling good. They just got a win. They just, you know, they lost three in a row and they're coming off of a win. They're coming into town. They're going to see their former head coach. The The Bolts are going to see their former assistant coach. Like I said, there's a lot of love, uh, but a lot of friendly rivalry uh, going on here and points on the line, right? Like I said, the Red Wings are just two points behind the lightning if they're able to get those two points they're going to tie the lightning then they're they're going to be you know third in the atlantic division that's something that they want to do so it's going to be a very action-packed game the lightning are going to going to have to defend well coming into this game so casey mm-hmm. i know you probably have some problematic players that we need to watch out for do you want to jump into those let us know who we need to be on the lookout for come tuesday yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, them finally coming off of a win there. And the biggest thing noted from the win that they just had over Columbus is that they had an early lead and they protected it. So it's mm-hmm. also the Red Wings' ability to defend and protect any progress that they make offensively. Something that I found really interesting before I get into problematic players, though, is that the Red Wings are have shown this season they have very strong, consistently strong second and third periods. It's their first period where they don't really know how to come out and have that fast, aggressive start. So even though they know how to protect their leads, their leads don't always come in that first period or early in that first period, which we know that's something the Lightning can take advantage of. Their average of goals in the first period is 18 goals over the season. Second period, 29 goals. Third period, 28 goals. So something else I took from that is they have strong second periods, and the Bolts are coming off of a very funky second period game after kind of having a flux of how well they produce or protect in the second period. So something they're going to have to be very cautious of. um, Because as for the Lightning, they – 
averaged 27 goals in the first period, 22 goals in the second period, and 30 goals in the third period. So the Bolts have an opportunity to jump ahead of the Red Wings and not do what they did versus Toronto, but a lot of that was special teams aided, but not completely transform their game to just play defensively. Having that attack, have being able to do both things well, attack and defend, they have the better roster and the stronger ability to do so. But you mentioned it, Newsy knows this team. He was with them from mm-hmm. 2018 to 2022. So having somebody who knows you uh, on such a high level, on such an intimate level, the relationships that he has with you guys, the development that he's been a part of for half of this roster, if not more, that could be an edge for the Red Wings, which leads us into some problematic players that Newsy could use to his advantage. First and foremost, you got Dylan Larkin, Now, when you first look at the statistics for this Red Wings roster, there's nobody that really has a high goal scoring total. Larkin only Mm -hmm. has nine goals so far this season. Now, what you've seen out of Dylan Larkin particularly, you would almost think that that goal uh, column would be a bit higher. So that also ties back to what you said, Kaylee. This team can defend well, but I think that they have been forced to defend more than they have been able to set up and generate an offense. Now Larkin does have 17 assists, 26 points, and he's sitting at a plus seven. So when he is on the ice, it is problematic and doesn't mean that he hasn't been loading up the shots. He's coming into this game with 81 shots on goal. So you got to make sure that you do whatever every other team has done and get him out of any sort of rhythm that he can find to load up in the shot column. Because if he doesn't have a high scoring rate, then that just means that he's pushing it forward, hoping for somebody else to capitalize, which takes me into Dominic Kubalik. Dominic Kubalik has the ability to use his body to press against mm-hmm. anybody to create those giveaways. Um, and we don't need the Bolts going into this game having a big giveaway issue. The Red Wings will capitalize on that and force a lot of mistakes if this team is not specifically focused on their puck possession, their passing and making sure those passing lanes are crisp. Um, Kubalik will force a mistake there if they don't come into this. Focus, focus, focus. So uh, Kubalik has 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points. Again, not a super high goal total for a top guy helping out his team. And then you've got um, Philip Hironik, six goals, 16 assists, 22 points, plus 11, but 12 penalty minutes. So he's also somebody who mm-hmm. has a physical element game and if there's anything the bolts have just learned after their funky win on saturday is that while you're protecting your passing having clean passing lanes making sure that you're minimizing giveaway opportunities you also don't want to get baited into any more penalties um steven stamkos kind of talked about the fact that they're one of the most highly penalized team in the league for like the second season in a row and he's like i don't really know how this is coming about a lot of it are just silly ones high sticking and things that they can clean up as a team This is an opportunity for them to, you know, listen to what their captain said, listen to what Coach Cooper has said, and go out there and not make measly mistakes. You don't need to get baited into certain roughing calls where you're down two men on the ice on both sides. There's just a lot of ways that they can protect themselves way better here and be in control of this game, get into a structure, and play a top-to-bottom game. They have a chance to play 60 minutes versus the Red Wings, knowing these statistics and, you know, managing these key guys because their depth, their talent – is almost twice as much of what the Red Wings have. They're very well coached. I will give them that. I feel like you saw an immediate immediate difference when Newsy became their coach, and I think that he learned something that he said from Coach Cooper. And you know that this organization is all about giving 
you know, any guy the best opportunity to take what they've learned and apply it elsewhere. So I think that's what's going to keep this game neck and neck. But if the Bolts don't play against themselves in any way, if they come out to that fast start, if they don't overly defend and they continue to have a, a solid two-way game, then they can manage the Red Wings and they can add another W to their column. Yeah, and I love I love what, what one of the things that you said, which was that Steven Samkos was surprised at how many penalties this Lightning team has been taking because it hasn't been a lot of penalties. Um, and that kind of leads me into the perfect Kaylee's corner so the lightning are five two and oh against the atlantic division and 15 eight and one overall when you broaden that and you look at games where the lightning have served fewer penalty minutes than their opponents they're seven four and oh casey this leads me to a point that i kind of made a few weeks ago which is that the lightning are giving up too many goals they have to cut down those penalties. I have the statistics to back it up. When the Lightning take fewer penalty minutes, they win more. They mm-hmm. literally win more. 7-4-0. and oh. So they have a much better record when they're playing with, you know, either even strength or, you know, uh, on their own power play. But they're just the changes and maybe it changes now that Anthony Sorelli's back and he'll probably be on that penalty kill unit. But up to this point in the season, a, you just don't want to put yourself in that position. And there's no reason to take some of the silly penalties that the lightning have been taking. Mm -hmm. They really need to be a more disciplined team. This is a veteran group. They know how to play. They just need to be a bit more disciplined coming into this game because it is something that Newsy and this Detroit Red Wings team will take advantage of. Now, the Red Wings don't sit, you know, at like the the super top in terms of their power play. They're number 14 in the NHL. They have 20 power play goals. Uh, they've given up four shorties. They're kind of middle of the pack in both their power play and penalty kill. Uh, for penalty kill, they've given up 15 goals. They've had two uh shorties whenever they're playing on um you know on on the pk so they just kind of sit middle of the pack they're 13th on the penalty kill they're 15th in the or excuse me 14th in the power play so they're not like overly strong one way or the other but you don't want to give them that advantage because they will take advantage of it so you need to be careful and really cut down on those penalties. Again, I will say it again. Uh, it will continue being my corner until the lightning team gets better at it. They need to cut down on their penalties. They play so much better and more effectively whenever they're not sitting in the box. Mm-hmm. And you're hundred percent right on that Kaylee, because even strength is one of the best parts of their game right now. So mm-hmm. when they don't have a chance to stay within the best part of their game, then they put themselves at a dip this advantage there. Um, great point. Great Kaylee's corner. And I hope the guys listen to you on this home stretch that they have going on. So oh, before I we- have one more point I would like to make, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And it is that you mentioned face-offs in this last game and that the face-offs kind of took a dip. Whenever I was looking at the Red Wings and where they shine in face-offs, they're really good and they take it very seriously 
when they're in their own zone. So when they're defending, they have just an insane face-off percentage. They, they do fairly well. But it's in the neutral zone where they actually don't have a very good face-off percentage. And I know that the, the neutral zone, there's not a ton of face-offs taken there, but there's enough. There's enough there to where this lightning team can take advantage. So my advice is in terms of face-offs to get better, to get that percentage back where you want it to be, mm-hmm. execute strong in the neutral zone. And that is where you can shine against this Red Wings team in the face-off dot. Absolutely. Hopefully they go a little further than that 39 or 39.3% that they had versus the Maple Leafs because that was a dive. Um, Yeah, great point there, Kaylee, as well. I had face-off in Casey's keys, but I do also have other keys (laughs) within that. Um, Just kind of touching back on the fact that I mentioned how the Red Wings – can protect their leads, but they don't start off strong, and especially in that first period. So my first key is going to be that the Lightning not only have that fast start, but that they really set up shop. They really get in their structure to the point where it cannot be um, disabled or broken apart or disrupted. Disrupted is probably the better word there, but they have an opportunity to really set up their structure in the first period and have the fast start. But even if they don't, if they get within their structure, they they control the game. That's what I've noticed. And then the questions that came after the Toronto game, it was kind of said across the board is that when they get to set up their structure, when they get to play within their strongest point being even strength, then they're fine to manage whatever happens and comes their way. It's when they're completely forced out of their structure and having to adjust and not get into a rhythm. So my first key is setting up and staying in your structure. You have a perfect opportunity to do that against a team that averages 18 points or 18 goals in a first period versus your 27. That's a huge difference. So um, I feel like they can have that fast start that they need to have, regardless of what Newsy might bring to the table and managing their adjustments. My second key is right up there with you in terms of them being disciplined, minimizing the penalties and not having those, those, those sloppy ones for no reason. It, puts them outside of their structure and that just contributes to them not doing what I'm asking them to do in key number one. The last key that I will say is that they need to ramp up the shots, but also their rebound management is going to be crucial versus this team. Detroit actually has some pretty good goaltending. Uh, Husso's coming in at a 0.912 save percentage um, and then goals against average is 2.58. So while they do well at having great high danger goals um not saying that they should you know put quality out of the way and just rack up quantity wise but i think they have a chance here for everybody to try to put a shot on goal and that it'll have a chance to land if they really bring that energy that aggression offensively so going up against who so if he is in goal they're going to want to ramp up the shots they're going to want their rebound management to be important because Something that kind of worked against them versus Toronto is that some of those rebounded pucks were setting Toronto up to get on the perfect attack, which would put them on their heels or created some odd man rushes. And then that kind of plays into what you said about their face-offs in the neutral zone, Kaylee. So all of this is very synergistic, but well within their control. So first, Casey's key is setting up and staying within your structure. You have a huge advantage against this team in the first period. Second, minimize those penalties, as Kaylee said. Uh, Third, ramp up those shots and have solid rebound management. That also comes back to clean passing game, communicating out there, not having a bunch of giveaways. And if they continue to stay on the attack and have 
great rebound management, then they'll put just as many pucks on goal as the other team. And then they won't be behind when it comes to shots on goal as they have for the past couple of games here. And they won't be chasing the puck. They'll put themselves in great position to lead in goals and protect their lead that I know very strongly that they can have, even though they'll be welcoming Newsy back to Annalee Arena uh, tomorrow night. It will be good to see him. It'll be a sweet reunion, uh, but the Lightning are on a little bit of a win streak, and I think that they will continue it. Thank you so much for your keys, fans. Thank you so much for listening, and of course, be sure to download the Odyssey app and find Pucks and Bolts. Subscribe and become an auto-downloader. That way, anytime will be straight into your phone so that you can listen. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.